Decapitation, torture. Does that sound entertaining? Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. It is so great to have you. I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 322. If you are listening to this at time of release and are in or will be in the L.A. area Friday, Saturday, Sunday, June 3rd through 5th, we're going to be at Monster Palooza in Pasadena, a spectacular convention that is a celebration of horror and the art of special effects, monster making, and the horror lifestyle. Over 450 exhibitors, a monster museum, makeup demos, celebrity guests, and more. Tickets at monsterpalooza.com. We're going to have a table there. And if you want to come up and say hi, we would absolutely love it. This time around, you are hanging out with multi-award winning creative force. Bria Grant. She is an absolute powerhouse from her diverse acting career on a myriad of the coolest TV shows ever made from Dexter to Heroes and in the films of Rob Zombie, Darren Lynn Bowsman and more. An acclaimed comic book creator, podcaster and writer-director whose own films have crept into our imaginations and are among the most talked about movies of the decade, including the Fantasia-winning 12-hour shift and Lucky. She is back with an all-new foray into terror, paved in pink and splattered in blood. Torn Hearts is available on digital May 20th. Bria lets you in on the horror that created her obsession with the genre and takes you along on her journey to this maniacal thrill ride into a wicked dark side of the Nashville music scene that is so unsettling and well-constructed. You're going to be hanging from every word. Episode 322 celebrates the genius of Bria Grant, and it's now slaying. So you want me to do a song with you? Y'all any good? Well, we'd love to show you. Which one of you is better? Uh, or equals. Yeah. You better drink my damn booze. Torn Hearts with Harper Dutch is a great idea. We're doing a song with Harper freaking Dutch! This is how we celebrate! This is weird. Pretty sure Harper killed Hope. Oh my god. Harper is trying to turn us against each other. This is my house. I will tear it to shreds to get to you, too. The girls just came by for some free advice on a whim. Nothing's free in Nashville, is it? Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a truly exciting storyteller, a versatile and beyond gifted polymath whose acting career continues to be nothing short of extraordinary, with a history of Emmy-winning and game-changing TV shows, Friday Night Lights, Heroes, Eastsiders, and Dexter, feature films including Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, Darren Lynn Bowsman's The Devil's Carnival, Jeffrey Reddick's Dead Awake, a ghost story, all mercilessly inventive shocks to the system. She has creatively weaponized her talents even more as a filmmaker, who has crafted some of the most talked about and celebrated horror films over the past few years, writing and directing 
directing the Fantasia-winning 12-hour shift and writing and starring in Natasha Kermani's glorious slasher, Lucky. She's built up an empire that now incorporates the successful Reading Glasses podcast, creating comic books. She's behind the Suicide Girls miniseries, a graphic novel inspired by Mary Shelley, and so much more. We are forever in awe and taken by the sincerity in her performances and her immaculate attention to detail and creating visceral worlds for us behind the camera in many disciplines. She more than deserves to be celebrated for feeding our imaginations and coloring our dreams with a boundless legacy of work that continues to expand. This is her latest chapter, a thriller set in the Nashville country music scene following two rising artists hellbent on collaborating with their reclusive idol in hopes of their big break. It is so original and so so cool with a personality unlike anything we've ever seen. It's called Torn Hearts. A time of release available on digital May 20th. We are more than honored to welcome its director, Bria Grant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was such a nice intro. Can what? you say that at my funeral? That would be. <laughs> funeral. Thank you so much, Bria. All yes. well deserved, all facts. And it is so great yeah. to finally meet you. We've been fans forever. Thank yeah. you for having me on. So starting from the beginning, what is your earliest experience with the horror genre as a viewer that you remember? Oh, um, man. Well, so I have an older brother. So that I feel like that is always a person's a, a gateway. Yeah. Um, he was watching horror movies and I would peek in and watch the ones I remember early, early on were the one I remember the most is Tremors. I've watched since many times. I, I actually love Tremors, but it is not nearly as scary as I thought it was as a kid. That was the scariest movie I'd ever seen at that time. Um, but I was also fortunate enough to grow up during this time where kids programming was scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? You had Dark Crystal. Uh, Labyrinth was my favorite movie. So I've always kind of been into fantastical, creepy stuff by way of Jim Henson, Nickelodeon, some other kid stuff, but then kind of graduating onto these a little bit scarier movies as I got older. Sure. So as we move on to those other films, take us through a few of the horror movies that you found have been kind of life-changing for you to experience. A few titles maybe that have been instrumental for you in forming what is now your creative palette. Yeah. I mean, so um, I was a teenager in the 90s and that was such a pivotal time for horror having that sort of like renaissance of cool horror coming out and new kind of horror. And I saw scream in the theater with my friends. And I remember watching scream and being scared to walk to my car afterwards uh, with my friend and being like, how are we going to, how are we going to leave? And that was a big moment for me realizing that like, I, you know, I had seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but it was all like a little too old for me. Like I, I saw it like on TV on like Saturday afternoon or something. So there was like some, some of the edge was taken off of it because it wasn't that sort of like theater experience. But yeah, like watching Scream, watching some of those like mid 90s horror movies, I have a really soft spot for those. 28 Days Later is another one that I feel like really inspired me to be like, oh, I love zombies. Like I things that I didn't really realize Uh, When a Stranger Calls was another one that obviously that was earlier, but one I discovered a little bit later. And then just continuing on. I mean, I I think I got really fortunate. I started acting and was interested in comic books, was interested in genre movies and then got to be in them. So that just sort of solidified my love of the world uh, because I kept being in things that I would actually like to watch um, and meeting people who were making things that were cool. Can you highlight maybe... I don't know, pick one specific moment from a horror film oh. whose alchemy 
has directly kind of left you with a certain feeling that you find that you chase in your own work? Oh, interesting. Uh, uh, hmm, that is a really good question. I mean, so I, I tend to be drawn in my own work to things that are a little bit heightened, but clever and fun. So I do think the scream world was very important to me because I think those characters being smart, playing to their their intelligence um, and maybe even being slightly more clever than people are in real life. I don't talk as smart. I don't talk. I don't talk smart. That's what I just said. I don't talk smart at all, um, which is, uh, but I like when my characters do, I like when they're clever. Uh, so I think that those, that movie in particular was one where I constantly refer back to it and end up watching it again to sort of like take in how these characters are like, they're smart. They understand the tropes, which I think all horror fans do at this point as well. Mm -hmm. And they try to, and that movie takes them and turns them on, on its head, on their Mm -hmm. heads. And I mean, that's, uh, that's exactly what torn hearts does. And to me, this movie also gave me the feeling I had when seeing there's like a great bunch of kind of rock band dramas that were made in the late nineties, like light of day with uh, Joan Jett and Michael J. Fox and satisfaction with Justine Bateman. But you, you kind of take that and like make it unsettling and soaked in blood with this, which is so fun. So one thing though, I noticed when I first heard the news about this film back in 2021 with, uh, Katie Seagal's casting news. It was being called Tattered Hearts. Was that a misprint or did this journey go by another name at some point? Uh, it was Tattered Hearts for a long time, uh, right until we started shooting. And then I think we started calling it Torn Hearts. This is the unfortunate thing about um, this silly filmmaking world. It was a legal thing. It was sure. a legal thing. There, there's a band called Tattered Hearts and we weren't allowed to use that because the lawyers said no. But, you know, movies change. And I, I think I it, it was Tattered Hearts for a long time. And it was it was sad to lose that title. But I think Torn Hearts works. Yeah, no, Torn Hearts is great. And yeah. you've had an insanely prolific past few years with, with Lucky and, and 12 Hour Shift coming out pretty much back to back. And then the Mary graphic novel and keeping up with the podcast. So along comes this fascinating script by Rachel Collercroft of what would be her first feature. And here you are to direct it. Talk to us about your path towards it and what drew you in. Uh, well, Blumhouse, uh, I met, I met with Blumhouse after 12 hour shift came out and um, told them some stuff I was interested in. Uh, like after seeing 12 hour shift, I was like, look, I like this world. I like Southern stuff. I like, uh, I like stuff that's a little fun, a little edgy, um, not straightforward horror. Not, I mean, even Lucky, which I wrote, is is not. It's a slasher, but it's not a straightforward slasher. Like I, I, I think the horror audiences are so smart, and they've seen every horror movie. And so I like taking things that we've seen and kind of making something new. I think like taking it and trying to do something different. That's always my goal. Um, and I also had just come from Twelve Hour Shift, and I'd worked with Angela Bettis, and I felt like. Working with her it was so great. And it was just so interesting to work with a woman. So many horror movies star women in their 20s, right? Early, early 20s, sometimes in high school, a lot of high school kids in horror movies. It was so interesting to work with a woman in her 40s who had this past, had so much to draw from, brought so much gravitas to the role. I felt like it made my job just so much more interesting. So that was the other thing I was like, I'm always looking to work with women who aren't who you would traditionally see cast as the lead of the movie. 
and then they brought me torn hearts and that is like it combines all these things like southern it has it's really fun has these fun elements to it it's a horror movie but then it also has this you know uh uh, older uh, singer in it and i i pitched i did the normal route of like you know bringing my ideas to blumhouse telling them what i thought i could do with it and uh, about a week or two later, I was in New Orleans prepping, try- and we shot about a month later. Wow. Now, were there yeah, any perfect. things that you found that you did to the script to realign it with your vision? Or did you have a symb- symbiotic relationship with the script right from the start? I mean, the script, Rachel had such a good idea there. And she, I, I have to give her credit. It's not an idea I ever would have come up with. And I think that that is really amazing. I did do some work on the script um, once I arrived. and. There were just things that I felt like I wanted to add my own flair to. I tend to like a little sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I wanted there to be a physical fight that, that happens uh, in the movie that felt important to me because I feel like we don't see a lot of women beating each other up. And I thought that'd just be a really interesting thing to have in this movie. Uh, and and I wanted to push some some themes that I thought were really, really important to the script and really important to me. Um, but but overall, it is it is Rachel's script. What were some of those themes off off the top of your head that, uh, you know, that that you really identified with in this? I mean, uh, aging in the industry, I think, is for a woman is not easy. It's not easy for men either. But I think women get treated much more harshly. I think we praise women when they're young. We treat these ingenues and we're like, you're amazing. But then the moment they hit over a certain age, we quit writing roles for them. We Mm -hmm. don't think about them anymore. So that felt like something that I wanted to talk about. Um, And also, I think. We're at this weird crossroads right now where there's we're trying to create more roles for women. We're trying to see more women behind the camera. But the problem is there's still like one there's like one movie that a woman can direct per like, you know, 10. And all my female director friends and I are pitted against each other for it. And I I think the entertainment industry and other industries as well, but I'm only familiar with this one, obviously, um, it, it tends to pit women against each other in a way that is very unhealthy. And I wanted to explore that and without judgment of these women. Like I, I like, I love the women in my movie. I think they, yeah. Do they make some choices? I wouldn't make sure. Certainly. Um, but I think they are really interesting. I think they're flawed, which makes them really interesting. Uh, I love my women flawed. I love them like kind of fucked up. And I think they've been put in an impossible situation where they have to like fight against the people that they love or choose their dreams, which seems completely unfair. Um, but it's often a situation I think women are put in, in, the entertainment industry. I felt that the way that you gave the sexual inappropriateness a beat in, in the sense that it's excused almost immediately when she gets slapped on the butt and it, there's a beat there, right? It's addressed. And I, I like that, how they just, uh, you know, Oh, it's fine. It's our production. It's all good. Right, right? And then, yeah. And then it goes away. Well, I think the whole thing up until that point is very much like, it's fine. Right. Like that's the feeling right. like you go exactly. to this person's house, you have respect for them. You want, and I find myself doing this all the time where it, it's like, I would be the person who was so polite. I would get killed because I would stay somewhere too long. Cause I wouldn't want to tell people someone I have to go. Right. I uh, like, I like, and I think it is like this, we're taught to be very nice yeah. and like, Oh, just respect the situation. And like, Oh, what has she been through? Like I should respect that. And I shouldn't bring up how uncomfortable this makes me. Um, and, and yeah, I think I'm, like that's the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of raising women a different way now, which is great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wanted that in the movie. That yeah. was in the original script, and I just thought it, I thought it was pretty brilliant. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and it's beats like that that really put us in that situation. And Leo, you had a great question about Harper Dutch herself. 
The Boo Crew will be right back. I want to tell you of a new motion picture entitled The Undertaker and His Pals. This movie is a shocking expose of a part of the young generation. That part that destroys, the part that plunders and ravages for kicks. This is the story of two knife-slashing, axe-hacking, motorcycle-riding maniacs and their pal, The Undertaker. If you think you can take it, don't miss it. The Undertaker and his pals. Yeah, Katie Seagal is fantastic in this and plays this dark character who also, you know, many plays Abby and Alexis with their southern charms at times. You know, is there a character or movie that you had Katie studied for this role? You know, Katie comes at everything from her own place. Like she is creating that character from scratch. She, I mean, she she's an old school actress. She's been doing this a long time. She has her method. Um she came up with all this stuff for the character thing. She, we talked about the background of the character so much before she got there, when she got there, while we were shooting, like it was constantly like questions and thinking about like who the character was. So I think for her, it does come from a much more like building the character up. People like I sort of looked to, I, I thought about misery quite a bit because mm. I feel like that character is such a iconic, like so iconic, so interesting, but also that, that like, Oh, is she going to do something bad? Did she? Oh, it turns out like she actually like was a person who wrecked the car, you know, like, like the misery ends up, it's this kind of frog in boiling water situation where you, you don't realize it's going to get bad until it gets so bad that you can't stop it. She was incredible. This is her at her absolute best. I love seeing her this way. Obviously a huge fan of her, her other work and married with children and everything and sons of anarchy. But to see her in this character is so awesome. And like the tapping that she does with her fingers and all those choices that, that you have revealed that basically she imbued into this character, brilliant performance. And I mean, with her musical background, this must've been something that she was like, Oh my gosh, what was her reaction to kind of dive into the world to begin with i mean she's a very measured person so sure. I, I don't know if she's ever like oh my god she's yeah. very measured and everything so the first conversation i well i wrote her a letter and or an email i guess you don't write no i don't have time to ship a letter but i wrote an email and i was like i really want you to do this role here's the reasons here's how i see this woman i see like i think there's so much depth to her i don't view her as a villain like i want you to come in and like play this like really interesting complicated character um and then we got on the phone we got on a zoom and she kind of just went through the script and she's like why did she do this why did she and we kind of like talked through the the whole thing and the music aspect was obviously something that i was pitching her where i was like i think she has an amazing voice yeah um and I want to hire someone who can sing. I, that felt really important to me. I um, mean, because she has that, she knows about the music industry. Katie has a music career and it allowed me to do so many interesting things. Like, for example, I was able to record, there's a song that all three of the women sing at the end. I was able to record that live and use the live recording that we recorded on the day uh, in the movie. So that's, there's no, they did not go into the studio for that one. That's straight up just like them doing that live, which is wild and like for me a dream come true because i think there's so much of the movie that's heightened to be able to do something so realistic in that moment right before 
it's very close to the end of the movie and then shit's about to hit the fan. Like it was such an important, like dark, cool moment to get to capture with these women who all just happen to be incredibly talented singers. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. So the music, yeah. so we're hearing like acapella per- performances and the, yeah, yeah, like you said, they don't sound like they're lip synced from a studio yeah. master. So they sound like they're all singing. So uh, Abby yeah. and Alexis, everybody was straight up singers. Yeah. Yeah. So I only I mean, I saw a lot of actresses, but I only for those two roles, I only really saw uh, women who could sing. Yeah. So um, they had to record this, the lines, you know, the sides and the scenes. But also I wanted to make sure that they could sing because I just felt like we were on such a short schedule. It was going to make my life a lot easier if they could. So. Yeah, they both send in tapes. They both could sing, uh, could sing well. Alexis has never sang, sang in anything, but she has an amazing voice. Oh my um, god, she's wow! And to nail like and those country like, harmonies too. I know yeah. she can belt like wow. she's amazing. And then Abby plays guitar and sings, and she has this like really gorgeous, like kind of like husky, interesting voice. And I was like, oh, these are perfect like pairing together. So I feel like I just got really fortunate to find these two women. Although I will say this, I was like casting i was like how am i gonna find someone who can like act and sing like yeah. country? and i felt like it was gonna be so hard actors are really talented and like, yeah. it's like i i got so many tapes where i was like how are there this many people who had this who are all this good at singing that's like i think because i'm not a singer i was just like how oh, oh. <laughs> so unfair for people to like you know <laughs> act sing look like this like oh god uh, yeah. a lot of boxes to check well i wanted to ask about the chemistry with abby and alexis in a sec but since we're on the music tip uh leo you wanted to highlight somebody in particular yeah, Brittany Allen, who composed the music for this fantastic film. Uh, did she also write the songs uh, for Torn Hearts and Harper Dutch? No, she did not. So Brittany did the score. Um, I've known Brittany for a while. I was familiar with her work from uh, uh, What Keeps You Alive because uh, she, she scored that movie. She's in the movie, but she also scored that movie. And I remember meeting with her and I was like, you scored the movie like that's wild and there's not that many female composers and she just did such a great job um and we've been friends for a while and so when i got the opportunity to hire her it was awesome and blumhouse was like oh yeah that sounds great they liked her work as well um but no um the writer wrote lyrics rachel wrote lyrics to the songs and then we brought on a music producer who helped compose and come up with arrangements for for the music and i essentially sent him ideas where i was like you know, Torn Hearts, they're, they're kind of a pop, they're almost like pop country, you know, they should sound poppy, whereas like the Justice Sisters, they need to sound more like 90s country with like a little bit of like humor to it, a little bit of like tongue in cheek stuff that like they did in the 90s. Um, and so we kind of, we just used things from the era and he, he would try to do partially sort of sound alikes with things that just were inspired by those music choices. Mm. And I love the polarity of these amazing country songs with yeah. Britney's very ominous and creepy score when yes. Jordan comes home that first night and you hear uh, almost like a vocalization she puts in the score like, oh, right. like kind of is that what yeah. it is it sounds so cool was that a direct note from you or was that something Brittany provided and, and you got to hear for the first time as uh, as you heard it over the film I should know that answer but I'm not totally sure we talked a lot about what would work here and about using the female voice mm. because it's so important to the film itself, like a theme in every part of it, like the, the filmmaking, the singing, everything like using the female voice. But Brittany's also a singer. She has 
uh, a couple of really great uh, songs out. And so it made sense for her to like put stuff of her in there. That's her own voice. Uh, she, she uses multiple times. There's also a point where she screams on the soundtrack around the score, which I thought was just amazing. Oh, it's, like, it's so weird. And, and, and I love a weird score and I, kept pushing her. I was like, go weirder. I was like, go weirder. At some point, Brittany, we're going to be doing a Marvel movie. We won't be able to go weird. Like, so go weird, like go get big. I, I, I felt like we could just do something really interesting. The, the music already was part of the movie. We could make atmosphere. You know? mm, mm, beautifully said. One of our favorite yeah. scenes when the girls first meet Harper and they're trying to find that best way of asking her for her help in real time. And it was so awkward yeah. <laughs> and uncomfortable and scary the way that Katie was playing it. You put us right into that room. Tell us okay. about building that scene. Yeah, great. Um, I mean, yeah, all credit to the actors. They did their work there. Like they were, they had prepped, they were ready. Um, it was a really fun day. That was Katie's first day of shooting. Oh, it was. Um, so was yeah, that the was. first moment you saw her transform into Harper? Right. Yeah. Wow. And she came down the stairs and she's like stops on the stairs and says something to uh, says something to them, like looks them over. And I was watching on the monitor and it's like, oh, cool. Like we have a movie. Like, like, it's going to be this is going to be a rad movie. Like now, like watching her do this performance was just just wonderful. And uh, I'd worked with Abby and Alexis for about a week before that scene. And they just fell right into it. I think having Katie there was huge because they had this like great energy to play off of, but they had also really gotten to know each other. Um, and then we just had the house. The house itself becomes a character, right? Like that part of the house is not so creepy, but it's creepy enough to where you're like, it's not comfortable. The couch is physically uncomfortable for them. They're sitting really far forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not, they, they don't want to be drinking. They don't want to actually be here. They're holding things. Like there's just thing, things about them that made them physically uncomfortable uh, in addition to the weird decor that's that's inside the house. So just finding that rhythm. But it was a great scene for us to start with because often as an actor, when you're starting a movie, your first scene is going to be a little weird because you don't know these people and you don't know how they're going to be. You don't know how how long they're going to take to like say their lines or, or whatever. Uh, and that was a perfect scene to start with because it was supposed to be weird. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and yeah. you mentioned, yeah. obviously, hey, Mansion 237, right? Harper's, oh, yeah. uh-huh. Harper's yeah. decrepit Victorian Madonna in looking pink <laughs> palace. Yeah. Right. Are we seeing a practical location on the interiors here? Th- that, that place could not have looked better than it did. Oh, thank you. Thanks. No, it's not. It's, um, it is two houses that were next to each other. I used them, the inside, the one is the exterior. And then, um, I used a lot of that interior. And then there's another house on that same kind of lot. It was like right in the middle of new Orleans, actually. Wow. And then, um, we built the gates and then we built the, uh, the basement obviously oh uh, because gosh. we needed to be able to control that, that space a, a bit more. Um, but yeah. And then it was, I mean, New Orleans has all these like old, beautiful houses with this great architecture and like, I mean, it's just like so much fun stuff. I looked at so many creepy houses uh, and I was hoping to find one that could have everything, but and they're all like so mansiony and like so uh, <laughs> winding that it was like, I can't use most of this because it's like there's four rooms that are like closets right in a row. And like, you know, there's like weird shit like that inside of them. Um, uh, but basically, we took that house and we repainted the whole thing. Um, uh, my production designer did a great job. And then he just moved in so much furniture. Um, my set decorator spent 
so long, like pulling furniture. And we had to like, just have furniture on standby because we'd get into a room and I'd be like, I think we need more furniture and more weird yeah, 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 yeah. Items around the room. Like, <laughs> do you have any weird ceramics I can put in this corner? I'm going to need them. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I drove them completely crazy because I'd show up and be like, I need more. There needs to be more stuff. Like, I know that's not the aesthetic you're used to, but like, this is a person who hasn't left their house in 20 years. So like, we have to like, you know, make it look like. Oh, it paid off. I mean, it was a big star in the movie was uh, was was that house. It looks so great. Leo, we'll leave you with the last question, man, real quick. Oh. Yeah. So watching Jordan and uh, Lee turning each other violently is something that was difficult to watch as you grow to love them as a best friend duo. What were the challenges in choreographing these fight scenes? That was something I wanted to see. I feel like the more we're putting like women front and center, we're getting to see them do different things that we haven't seen them do. And I haven't really seen that many like knockdown drag out fights between two women. I mean, I, uh, I was thinking there was a movie. I just thought of, Oh, did you see that? My super psycho sweet 16 movies. Cause they actually have a really good fight scene. And I know those movies, but I haven't seen <laughs> yes. them. No. Yeah. I think it's the third. Okay. I, I know that. Okay. I think it's okay. the third. A friend of mine directed all of them. They're actually really good. Like you should check them out. They're very, very yeah. well done. Um, uh, anyway, there's a, there's a fight scene, but, but other than that, there's not, you don't actually get to see that, that often where the, where women are taking out their aggression because women tend to take out our aggression in other ways. Um, but I wanted to see it and especially like when encouraged to do it, right. It wasn't like they just suddenly yeah. hitting each other. Um, uh, and so I worked with my stunt coordinator to, to make the fight believable, but also like a little messy. These weren't, these women are not, they've never been in a fight before. They've never punched somebody before. So it should look wild. It should look uh, like just a little bit messy. Um, and the way women would fight each other, it would not be the same way. I think that uh, uh, two dudes would approach fighting, fighting each other. And so he and I talked about that a lot um, and what that would look like. And we worked out the scene um, and it took, it took um, a long, a while to shoot that scene. It was, a, it was a lot. Funny thing is, I wanted it to feel a little bit messy. Both Alexis and Abby are real they're athletes. Alexis was a cheerleader, so they were really good at learning the choreography. And there were times where I was like, looks too good. Like, you gotta, like, you're, like, you're not a professional. You're a country singer. Like, we have to like kind of back it off a little bit. I wanted it to feel I wanted it to feel like it hurt, you know? And I think sometimes that is yeah better when it's less clean you know it's less john wick it's more just like a sloppy fight that you'd see like in your high school growing up or something and you're like that hurt because it's two people like pulling each other's hair you know like there's something painful about that oh yeah it definitely looks like it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> well bria we absolutely love the movie and we can't yes. wait uh, for all the good stuff that's going to come out when it uh, when it releases everybody's going to love it and thanks for making cool shit all yes. the time i mean you're the best oh, y'all are so nice thank you <laughs> well let's do it again for the next one enjoy we'll the rest it. of the day all right all right all right yes. thank you thank you guys see ya that was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 322. Special thanks to our guest, Bria Grant. Follow her at Bria Grant on Instagram. The time of release, her new film, Torn Hearts, is available on digital May 20th. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's Trev for the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us 
on Twitter at Tales from the Moon. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.